Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business. Only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. Ryan, do you like indie films? Yeah, I love films and especially some of these underappreciated and underdiscovered ones. How about you, Lynn? Yes, I love films, all types of films, uh, especially international ones. But I haven't been uh, able to get time to you know, yeah. check out the international film circuit. Really, I think we all have a long list of stuff yes. we need to do, especially with all the Oscar movies that have made the headlines. Exactly. Did you know that Everything Everywhere All at Once the sci-fi comedy drama that helped Michelle Yeoh make history as the first Asian to win Best Actress at this year's Oscars was an indie film too? Yeah, this was a big win for indie studios because, hey, everything, everywhere, all at once, one big time. They swept so many awards, yeah? But with the rise of uh, streaming platforms and content creators, what must uh, independent production firms do to stay ahead of the game? How do they even make money and get themselves marketed out there? Yeah, well, there's no better person to answer that than award-winning director and founder of Giraffe Pictures, Anthony Chen himself. Good morning, Anthony. Hi, good morning. Welcome to the show and thanks for joining us this morning. I assume that you've watched the Michelle Yeoh movie, right? Yes, I've seen everything everywhere all at once. Any thoughts on it? Um, I thought it was a very um, fresh, original film. You know, like if you ask me, was it going to win that many Oscars? I had no idea that was coming. But, you know, I think one can't deny that in 2022 last year, it's probably freshest, most original films to come out at cinemas. And I think that's what audiences are looking for right now. Mm. You know, they want something they have not seen before. They want something completely new. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a parallel here because back then your feature film, Ilo Ilo, beat the competition as well among some of Asia's top filmmakers to back four big awards at the Golden Horse Awards back in 2013. And here you've got another indie film being produced by Leilime Entertainment and A24 also making it big this time. What do you think this win signals for directors and producers like yourself? I think anything is possible right now. You know, like what is interesting is that, you know, it shows that even a film, you know, with a predominantly Asian cast could actually in Oscar success. So, you know, I, I feel like all the barriers are down now. You know, it's also a strong signal that, you know, cinema indeed transcends beyond race and culture and language. Um, so I think it's all really, really good now. You know, I, I feel like in a way the playing field has gone down a lot and has opened wide a lot for, for all of us. We want to catch up on what you've been doing. You've been based in London for the last 15 years and now you've moved to Hong Kong. How are you adapting and how different is the media scene in Hong Kong compared with the Western world? Yeah, it's quite a big move. You know, I've lived together with my wife 17 years in London and we literally went from, you know, a three-bed, 160-year-old old Victorian terrace house to being on like the 37th floor of an apartment in Hong Kong. So it's, it's a complete change. Are we adapting? I think we are adapting well. It's very different. It's it's very busy and noisy, you know, like all of a sudden. It's, it's like being back in Singapore, you know, mm-hmm. um, where I uh, grew up and spent most of my adult life. Mm-hmm. How different is it, you know, the media scene in Hong Kong now? You know, it's actually very, very surprising. You know, I would say there is a lot of 
difference between what I'm observing in Hong Kong versus Singapore. You know, the film industry is actually booming here. Mm-hmm. There was a film at Hong Kong cinemas called Guilty Conscience mm-hmm. that has become the all-time grossing Hong Kong film ever. You know, it's crossed over a hundred million oh. Hong Kong dollars already. And interestingly, which is very rare because, you know, some of the top grossing Hong Kong films, you know, ever were all released during the pandemic and mm. just after the pandemic, like in this couple of years. So in a way, there's very, very strong support for local films at the moment. Not um, forgetting Hong Kong also went through the uh, the protests, the 2019 and 2020 protests. Yeah, so I, I think all of a sudden there is sort of a renewal that's mm. going on. People are really, at least the local Hong Kongers, mm-hmm. they're really into um, supporting local content. If you've got the right film out with the right emotions that could clock with the local audience, it would box you know, tremendously well. In fact, it's probably even harder for not just foreign films, but even American and Hollywood films to do well in Hong Kong these days. You know, like most of my industry counterparts in Hong Kong would say, you know what you need to do, Anthony, you need to make a film in Hong Kong. Hmm. Talking about booming and catching up, Anthony, we've seen a whole slew of streaming platforms coming up these days. We've got Netflix, Veal, many others, all producing their own content, exclusive content as well. Now, you have a director producing your own stuff for nearly a decade or so. Would you say these streaming services are helping or killing the independent film industry? You know, um, I really think it's some kind of a double-edged sword. We as a company at Giraffe Pictures, we are also working with streamers at the moment on some projects. We are moving from film, you know, traditional film, independent film, where we make the film, release it in cinema, sell it to territories, to independent distributors worldwide, to now working on episodic series with the streamers. But I have to say one thing, you know, I, I think in a way it's very important that the streamers also change its way of seeing things. It's very, I think, just like the film that we have just mentioned, you know, Mm -hmm. earlier in the program, you know, like everything everywhere, you know, uh, all at once. It's such a crazy world, such a crazy story. You would never have any piece of data to tell you this film would be successful. You would never have had any piece of data to tell you that this piece of casting would have worked because no one has ever seen something like that. You know, a family drama set in a slightly futuristic science fiction, uh, mad, crazy world with um, mostly an Asian cast. So I, I feel what streamers need to do is instead of just being driven by data, okay, this is what the audience wants. And obviously most audiences, they'll always go for like the lowest denominator in terms of content, you know, like anything that's just comfort food, you know, we'll, we'll just eat all of it. But I think it's very important to go from just being data driven to really creating new data. And in a way, I feel just like the traditional studios were in the past. I think now that the streamers have got so much more power, so much more leverage, they are the gatekeepers of a lot of content in the world these days. I think it's very important that they also hold that role and responsibility as tastemakers. You know, it's not about just feeding you know, like what the data, what the audience shows they want. But it's also about creating new stuff so that we can educate the audience, we can grow the audience, and together we are building a more sophisticated industry. 
So let's talk about funding now. Funding has always been a key part of any production, right? And uh, you've worked in Singapore, you've worked in London, and now you're in Hong Kong. In Singapore, gathering funding in the past, it seems only films like Jack Neo types can take flight with sponsors here. Can you compare that with what's happening in Hong Kong currently and uh, your thoughts on gathering funding? I think funding has always been challenging, you know, like in Singapore and everywhere else. I think these days it's even harder and harder to raise fundings for um, independent films, especially for first-time filmmakers. You know, I produced a film last year um, that was in Singapore cinemas and, and it's now being released around the region in the Philippines, in Hong Kong, in Taiwan, in Vietnam, in Thailand. It's the first Singapore-Korean co-production called Ajuma. Mm. And even though, you know, like, the film, it's very much dramatic comedy. You know, there's a lot of humor in it. It's very moving. It's it's won awards. And it's done really well at the Singapore box office. But mm-hmm. I think it was really hard then to raise money for such a film, you know, mm-hmm. for precisely the same reasons. You know, when the, you know when I reach out to the studios, uh, when I reach out to financiers, when they write the script, people were like, oh, the script is really good. But yeah, but do you have any comms of like Singapore and Korean co-productions? No, because <laughs> this is the first Singapore-Korean mm-hmm. co-production. You know, again, you know, we can't just rely on data. And then because um, He Shu Ming, the writer-director of the film, he is a first-time filmmaker, so there isn't a track record. And people are sl- sort of slightly worried about backing it. I remember there were moments where, Anthony, we will fund this film only if you direct it. <laughs> because you've already had that success critically and you have that success in terms of box office with your films and your films have been released you know, in multiple territories worldwide. But that's besides the point. You know, This is a first feature inspired by the director's own mother and this is what we want to do. You know, We want to realise the director's first film. It's always challenging and, and I'm hoping that slowly, uh, whether me, myself as a director, as a producer and also as a company at Giraffe Pictures, that we can slowly change mindsets. Mm. In fact, just now I did mention that, you know, like it's quite a different scene comparing Hong Kong and Singapore because somehow the Hong Kong box office has recovered post-pandemic, but in Singapore, it looks like the numbers haven't come back. In fact, uh, most films, and I'm talking about across the board, you know, whether it's Hollywood films or Jack Neil films or Singapore films or foreign language films, like anything that would have boxed maybe 3 million in the past, pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. is boxing like 1.5 million now. Mm-hmm. Anything that's boxing like 1 million would box like 500 now. Anything that's boxing $300,000, it's boxing mm-hmm. like, like 150,000. Somehow, you know, like certain habits have changed. Mm. And and I, I, I really want to say this, you know, which is in order to build a thriving cinema sector in order for local cinema and to have to really build a brand for our own national cinema, you know, like what Korea has done for its country. I think it's very important that Singapore audiences go out and support our work mm. because even on a lot of the films that I've either directed or produced, yes, they're being released in a lot of uh, other territories and a lot of other countries. But I think for a lot of distributors, the film doing well in its home territory, home country, it's a very important signal for them to put more marketing power, mm. to actually put the film in more screens in, in other countries. So it's not like, oh, you know, why don't you just release it outside? But I think it's very important that in Singapore, domestically, we actually have strong play 
and good numbers. And it doesn't take just a community of a few filmmakers, producers, directors to build a national cinema a film industry. It really takes an entire nation, mm-hmm. you know, whole, yeah, we need the whole public to buy in, into this. You know, that that is how Korea succeeded. And I think if we want to see that sort of success, uh, we all need to play our part. We're in conversation with director and founder of Giraffe Pictures, Anthony Chen. Now, Anthony, maybe you can help us out by bringing us into your world of how films are funded, the financing side of things, right? When you look at the ecosystem, you've got a film. Where do you get the money from? Do you get it from investors? How much come from grants? How much does it typically cost to make a film? So how do you put everything together to get everything running? Where do the expenses get um, paid by? At least, you know, for us, in a lot of our productions in Singapore um, and also the regional co-productions that we do with Southeast Asia, it's usually a combination of soft money and private equity and investment. So we would also apply for grants from IMDA slash, you know, um, and under Singapore Film Commission. And uh, we also apply for regional funds and also European film grants. So that would be an, a European international co-production as well. And a lot of those funds will not need to be recouped because those are grants, you know, and that actually incentivizes private equity and investors to come in, and, you know, about maybe 60% and upwards of the rest of the budget will be from private investors. You know, um, sometimes they are private individuals, sometimes they are companies. Companies. Sometimes they might be investment funds. Sometimes they might be companies or funds that particularly invest in just films as a asset class, perhaps. So that's that's how we have always done that. Of course, uh, there is increasingly another model which is working with the streamers entirely. So if you're doing an original with a streamer, then the streamer pays for all of it. But the difference is you lose all rights. You know, um, they own everything, and you take a, a percentage as a production fee. So and there's less risk, but at the same time, um, there is uh, very little upside for. A production company. All right, Anthony, very quickly before we let you go, what are you working on currently and what can your fans look forward to for the rest of this year? I have been very busy and productive, you know, like post-pandemic, I've never worked so hard. <laughs> you know, I shot two films last year in 2022. Between my first film, Ilo Ilo and Wet Season, it was like six years. Mm-hmm. But last year, you know, in the span of six months, I actually directed two films, you know, and uh, they were not films set in Singapore. I think, you know, I'm getting more ambitious now as a filmmaker and also us as a company. At the start of last year, I shot uh, my first mainland Chinese language film with wow. three Chinese stars. It was, you know, these two films that I made last year are complete opposites. You know, I made a film called The Breaking Eyes, which was set in the north of China, we shot in the cold in minus 18 degrees. So it's completely in the snow and ice, really cold. And then I shot another film in the spring summer period last year in Greece. And it's my first English language film with Ooh. the producers, with the Oscar winning producer of Nomadland and Oscar nominated producers of Call Me By Your Name. And that film, my first English language film, very interesting experience because I'm literally the only. Asian person on set. You know, everyone else was from Europe and America and France and UK. And that premiered um, at the Sundance Film Festival oh, in America earlier, earlier this year. So this year, I would have two films coming out in cinemas. Well, quite a busy year for you and a lot to look forward to. 
We've been speaking with award-winning director and founder of Giraffe Pictures, Anthony Chen. Anthony, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.